Hello and welcome to the Velodrome Podcast. I'm Steve. Some of you know me as the Velo 21 Guy, but once again, I'm your host on this Velodrome Podcast. So if it's your first time listening, welcome. And if you want to know a little bit about the Velodrome, we basically talk to recreational cyclists about their cycling journey. So if you're passionate about your cycling, if you're thinking, I'd like to have a chat with Steve and appear on the Velodrome Podcast, send me a DM on Instagram, velo double underscore 21. That's velo double underscore 21, the account with the blue tick. And we'd love to get you on the podcast. If you're passionate about your cycling, we'd love to chat to you. So once again, we've got another great recreational cyclist talking about their cycling journey. So let's just dive straight in. Today we are talking to... It's Stuart Deep, GB Scotland. Hello and welcome to the Velodrome Podcast. Hello Steve, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problems at all. Thanks for coming on. We really do appreciate the guests taking the time out to have a little chat with me um, and talk about their cycling journey. So yeah, I do appreciate it. And one thing we always do to start with the podcast is we always talk about our relationship and how we know each other and how you've come to be on the podcast. It's Instagram again, of course. Stu's got a fantastic account, GB Scotland. It's a big account. If you don't give him a follow, he's well worth giving a follow. Um, We've just chatted on there through, obviously, your love of the Velo 21 products. Um, Yeah, and uh, yeah, you've got, as I say, a, a great account, a really big following as well and what's your relationship like with instagram it's like a married couple i see we're never apart uh yeah it's it's not i think instagram for me is that when i started cycling uh was basically a platform to to share my my experiences and and then as the, as the accountant grew and i got to know people opportunities presented themselves so yeah, i just find instagram's a really great place to to have doors open for opportunities to, to meet fantastic people to go to fantastic places and and I don't think without Instagram I've, I would have experienced half the things I've done in the last few years all through Instagram cycling and, and the people behind the accounts Great stuff, yeah, so do you feel it's quite a, a positive for you then, you don't feel like too much pressure to, to be posting, because you do post quite regularly, don't you, kind of a daily poster do you, do you feel yeah. like quite pressured to to get a post out there or would you feel quite relaxed about it or you do you quite enjoy the the making of the content and creating of the content yeah totally yeah, it is a is a part of my daily life and i don't know if that's a sad thing or not but uh yeah for me being able to, to post content daily is something i've always strived to do and especially as my account grew i wanted to make sure that i was I wouldn't say delivering, but you know, just just being able to to share experiences and and, and photographs and, and reels and such like with with people that are actively engaging with you and uh, and, and I find that a, a great place. And it's, it's a great way to express yourself and, and and be yourself and and relate to people that are on the same kind of. Uh, mindset is you that enjoy cycling and enjoy people and enjoy exploring and hearing uh, all, all the cool things that come from cycling and, and the journeys and places it brings you yeah good stuff i like the fact that you said like it's become part of your daily routine so you kind of almost like another hobby to the cycling kind of thing that that's part of it um which is good because i, I never like to feel that if people get into under too much stress or strain about 
posting and like you say kind of delivering to the followers it can be a bit overwhelming almost really but as long as you're still enjoying it and still keep posting that that's good that's great i think the i think the thing i have focused on previously and i'm trying to get away from is you know i think the more success you have on something like instagram you expect that to continue but it goes up and down all the time and algorithms are, are a complete nightmare to try and follow so i kind of got past that and now i just post what i want to post and i've even turned off the the like count because i don't want to focus on how many people like my posts it's more mm. and if, people, if i want to see i can go and look at it but i try not to to be interested on, on well my post not doing very good because it shouldn't be about that it's about posting what i want to post and hopefully people engage with it and, and likewise i can engage with 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 their posts and stuff so i wouldn't try and be so focused on uh how many people like your posts and how many people are viewing it and i get instagrams yeah. around that because you know you, people have got to actually to switch on their phone and look at instagram but uh, for me personally it was getting a bit obsessive uh, and i do go on instagram every day and i, I am on my phone uh, quite a lot but again it's part and part of who i am now and what i do and and I yeah. enjoy it. So if, as long as I enjoy it, then I'll continue to do it. Yeah. And then talking about the algorithm um, that you mentioned just there, you had obviously a post that you put out that hit the algorithm just right, should we say. Um, and then people that have obviously followed Stu for a long time will know um, the bell ringing reels. <laughs> yeah, that was bizarre, wasn't it? <laughs> I'll never, never forget those two, those two reels that went viral. And, I remember being at work and I think I was on a break and I looked at my phone and I could see how many, the first video, how many reels, uh, sorry, how many uh, likes and views the post was getting. And it, it was going up so quickly and I, I couldn't believe it was happening. I thought there was actually something wrong with uh, with the post. And I think the day after I posted that one, I think that's when my, my following began to jump because obviously the video was going out there far, far more than any other. Uh, and it was getting pushed up by Instagram and more people were seeing it. So more people were following the account. And I think I had 800 followers overnight from that. Mm. First and that was crazy. And, you know, I don't say 800 people engage with me every day, but and I don't know how it all works, but it was really interesting to watch that. And then the, the second reel, I wasn't, I would never expect one viral reel, but then to have two uh, just wild and watching that one just explode. Mm. for all for ringing a bell twice yeah because you know? the, the one was the one was about yeah the one was about five million views was it and the other one just about just over 10 was it is that right you're yeah. saying like... under five million the first one and uh 10.7 million views the second one <laughs> you can't fathom that, can't fathom that you know yeah and you about how many people live in scotland you know and such like you're probably it's just bizarre yeah, and the, the other thing as well was that obviously you you had the one I don't know how far apart, probably a few a few weeks apart. Am I right in saying those two yeah. reels? The one that you'd seen, and then I, that had done really well, and then I'd seen people copy it. Yeah, um, and it just never seemed to ignite for anybody else. And then you did oh. another one, and that one did even better than the first one did. It was yeah. just mental. And I think Nog, the company, the bell that I yeah. used to do the reel, they they've actually used that kind of me throwing the, the packet towards the bike and then the bell suddenly appears as, as part of their 
kind of uh, advertisement now on on there, which is pretty cool. That's so great. yeah, and they were really they were really good about it. And uh, again, just a pure chance viral reel, and they were really grateful. I think and the exposure and it wasn't my intention, but they sent me some free kit and you know some lights and a solar a portable solar panel thing. And that was you know it's things like that. You just get kind of like you just feel very humbled that. No, it's just fire, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It is crazy, like you say. You you just did it to make some content like you normally do, and then yeah. you've ended up getting some stuff out of it as well. It's just uh, that's crazy, always like isn't it? You can get some free stuff, and, and and you know you do feel kind of you'll get the, you'll get the accounts out there that you know the, 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 I don't know what I'm going to try and say here. Uh, I'll try and send you stuff or, or get uh, make you use it, use you as an influencer. Uh, but then you don't get anything apart from sending you free kit. They don't engage with you. There's no real mm. person behind, and, and that's not happened often, you know. But uh, so you just got to be careful if, if that's if that's what you want to do on Instagram and, and try and get some free stuff. You just got to be really careful and think about what you want as well, you know, from it. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good piece of advice there, that is true. So yeah. Um, so we've talked about Instagram um, and the reason why you do it, but then obviously there's another thing behind that and what this podcast is all about is cycling. So let's move on to how did you first get into cycling? I, in the last four years, I've really kind of taken to cycling. I've obviously cycled throughout my life. I've always had a bike but, and as a kid, I've used that to get places. But when I started, changed departments in my job. One of the guys I worked with, he was a keen cyclist uh, and kind of spurred me on and I got my first, uh, my Boardman road bike, SLR 8.8 from Halfords, £600 cycle to work, uh, which kind of got me on the road and, and got me out and got me further and got me fitter. And I didn't have any fancy kit and I didn't join my local cycle club because I was always worried that I'm not good enough and I don't have the, you know, I don't have Lycra and I'm not going to I'm not going to fit in uh, but as time went on you know you do start getting more confident in yourself and you, you do start enjoy you know what you're doing getting out there and you want the better kits to try and help you uh, form better I suppose but uh, I've always been focused to try not be too I'd always encourage people you know if you want to go cycling don't care about what you're what you're wearing or what bike you're riding and don't never be put off about joining your local cycle club either but that's basically four years ago when changed apartments and got working with a guy he got me into cycling that's basically where my obsession if you like and my love for cycling started lovely so what what keeps you motivated to keep going now uh your love and enjoyment of cycling the the, the opportunities that it brings like i said before about being able to to meet people and, and go places and uh, I've I've had a, a great experience on the bike in some amazing places I probably never would have if it wasn't for cycling uh, and in hand comes Instagram you know when those two came together then I guess that's my motivation now is to, to get out there cycling for myself and, and to share the content that I do and get those photos and try and be creative in myself you know try and get those different angle shots and uh, find me a bit kind of make good content if you like you know just 
myself and for other people. Okay. Yeah, good. Um, so, the Instagram kind of helps keep you motivated for it as well. Um, but you've talked about uh, mental health on your page before, and do you feel that your cycling helps you with that as well? Oh, definitely. You know, you, you, you're at work and you, you're under pressure, potentially depending on what job you do and, and, and how much you like it. And you come home and you've got family life and you've got all the, the strains and the pressures of being a father and being a husband and, and, and all these things that you do at home. Uh, but when you're out, for myself personally, when I'm out on the bike, you know, all, all those are left at home and my, my work's left at work. And I don't even, I, don't, I never have any worries or stresses when I'm, I'm out on the bike. Mm -hmm. It's just pure enjoyment and uh, a way of escaping the world and, and getting in amongst nature. Uh, and if you're out with people, you tend to be talking about, you know, things and, and life and, and stuff. And you don't tend to, I, certainly I don't anyway, have any pressures or or worries when I'm out on the bike and I find that a great release. Yeah, brilliant. I've seen a thing saying that you you try and cycle every day. Is that something yeah, you do do? I set myself last year, I set myself a challenge last year to cycle at least once every day, 365 days of the year. Uh, last year, I think it was last year, COP26 was on in Glasgow. And for those that don't know, I'm a, I'm a traffic cop, so uh, I got sent down there to be a security escort driver. Uh, ended up driving the Prime Minister of Fiji around for three days around Glasgow. Uh, and I took a fold, I bought a foldable bike, so when I wasn't on duty, I could do my mile and my two miles just to record that on Strava to continue that 365 days. But one day, I was lazy in the morning and I decided to stay in bed for a bit longer knowing that I should finish at a certain time at night and I didn't finish and it went into the next day so that one, the chain was broken uh, and oh, I, I kind of missed that, it was like 364 days out of the 365 and that just didn't sit well uh, It was close started that, started that year, So every day this year and I'm hoping to, to, to make it this year Lovely, so you're still on target for it at the moment then? Still so, far. so far So far, so far so good so let's talk about your bikes then. What bikes do you have now? So I've got my Kinesis G2 that everyone knows is Luigi. Yes. He was my first gravel bike. Uh, got my Kinesis ATR V3 that I just recently got, my titanium bike. And I've got my Cerfello S2 carbon road bike. Uh, and I've got my, my original Boardman SLR that sits mm -hmm. on my turbo in the, in the kitchen. So I've got four bikes, uh, and I suppose my Cervelo is my only road bike that I have apart from my Boardman, but I don't tend to use that outdoors anymore. Yeah. It's in the, it's in the, the turbo. So which one's your favourite? Oh, I'd have to say Luigi. Oh. We, we've got a we've got a fair bond. I always said if I had to, if I could only have one bike, and I was restricted to only having one, it would be Luigi. Mm. I love my I love my titanium bike. You know, it's probably the most comfortable one that I've got. Uh, in relation to cycling off road, uh, but Luigi and I, we've just got that, that kind of sounds daft, but like a relationship, you know. That's why when I done the jog, I took him with me. I almost took another bike, but I'm so glad I did it with Luigi. So, yeah, he's my he's my favourite. Yeah, brilliant. So I was just about to ask you that. So, what's your biggest challenge you've done on the bike so far? Which we know the answer well, to this. <laughs> 
privileged enough to see you on yes. and, and lots of other people. So, yeah, that was the biggest challenge cycling-wise I've ever done. You know, cycling every day for a year, again, it's just more time, been able to have the time to do it. But, you know, you only have to do a mile or less. As long as it's recorded on Strava, then I'm quite happy that it's been, I've had a cycle, you know, but doing something like Land's End, John and Goats, that was pretty epic. Mm-hmm. And I still can't, I still can't take it in that it's done. You know, when I think about what I've done in, in the distance I've travelled on a bike, it's uh, yeah, it's, quite... it's it's a tough old challenge. And I think as well, you you did it self-supported, which I think makes a massive difference as well. Obviously, you know, you saw people, a lot of people along along the way, myself included. The first person you saw was Aidan King um, on day two, um, and I I really felt for you on those first couple of days I, I really did like you post your story and you just seemed a bit deflated and it was, was like oh like I really feel he's struggling here like he needs this, as much support as, as we can offer to get Absolutely. him through this um, and yeah like um, and obviously I spoke to Aidan um, when you saw because so it was early, it was in Ju- June wasn't it when you when you took uh, the challenge yeah off first which was my birthday mm. so it was my uh my forty-first birthday—that's that's been the first I set off from Land's End. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty daunting to be yeah. fair. <laughs> the yeah. furthest I've been away from home on a bike, knowing that I had to cycle home. One of the first people you saw was Aidan King. Is that right? On day two. Yeah, yeah that was uh, that was a that was a good day. Uh, having done day one. And looking at how far I'd gone on the map and realising how far I'd gone or how far I still had to go, uh, you know, that was pretty uh, difficult to deal with mentally. And being alone, like you said, you know, I was unsupported. I didn't, I cycled day one by myself. I cycled a good part of day two by myself. Uh, so, so when I came into, uh, oh, he's in a Gilman house, I can't remember where it was. Uh, wherever it is, he works. Mm. Uh, I'm cycling through the, the little village, and I could just see him sitting in, inside his his boot with the boot open, mm-hmm. uh, with his phone up, filming me coming in, and a big smile on his face. It was uh, really a special moment to actually see someone that I'd never met before, but mm-hmm. obviously I'd, I'd known through Instagram. Uh, yeah. Again, the part of Instagram and and cycling, kind of bringing people together, and uh, that was a good day. That was a good moment. Yeah, yeah. And he did gave me a banana loaf delicious so yeah. i was very grateful for that good stuff good stuff so did you have a bit more support on day three who can you remember who you were you saw on day three uh, can yeah one of the uh chris or two two chris adventures of rollo and, and carter 2k from instagram mm-hmm. uh Adventures of Rollo, I'd met him on Edinburgh, uh, the Fourth Road Bridge, actually, and he was doing Land's End to Johnny Groats. Uh, our paths crossed when I was on holiday in South Queen's Ferry, and I took my bike, and I was going over the, the Fourth Road Bridge, and he was doing the jog, and he asked me to take a photograph of him, followed each other on Instagram. So he was he joined me on the morning of day three, uh, which was from Street near Glastonbury to Somerset or sorry, Street in Somerset to Ludlow 
and he he ran from there at Ludlow, sorry, Street. He went from Street to the Severn Bridge with me, which is a good sixty good sixty miles. Uh, so having having that company for on the bike, that was the first time someone had ridden with me. Mm-hmm. And then I met Chris. He came the rest of the way, all the way to Ludlow. He spent the night there in Ludlow and, and cycled with us the next day for for a good chunk. So, mm. yeah, that's when people started coming out, and I was starting to get more in a central belt where maybe it was easier for people to get to rather than Land's End because I don't think yeah, Land's End's a difficult place to get to. Yeah, yeah. And then yes. I met you day four was the Sunday um, and then I was a bit disappointed actually because when you were then in my area I was like oh I'm tied up in the morning so I thought oh, I won't get a chance to ride with him first thing but you you had another group of people first thing didn't you um, yeah I did. that you rode with and I met you on the evening but I almost felt like it ended up working out quite well um, unfortunately I didn't get to ride with you very far because you made up no. a great time that day didn't you it wasn't quite as far it wasn't quite as hilly and you, you, you made no. a bit more time which was good um, I think yeah, day 3 was 125 miles mm. that, in the day I met you from Ludlow to Nutsford that was 87 miles Yeah, and it was only 3,800 feet of climbing so it felt like a a rest day. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. It's quite flat in the Midlands. You've got to, You've really got to search for the hills. There's a couple of areas that are, are lumpy, but you've got to go yeah. to those those specific areas. If if you're not near them, it's pretty flat around here. Um, yeah. So yeah, you made you made up good time, and I think I rode about two mile with you, and that was it. Because I remember <laughs> I'd driven about sixty miles to your finish point, parked yeah. up, got on the bike, and made my way to you via. Um, whatsapp um live live tracker that was how i managed to find you and yeah just uh, a couple of miles down the road and then just rode back with you and um had dinner with you and a bit of a chat at what the end you? so it worked out quite well i feel that you just had a bit of company on the night yeah. as well so uh yeah because yeah, i imagine it's quite lonesome isn't it just yeah i think though when you do something like the jog when you when you get to where you're going you kind of get into a bit of a routine and, and you want to get a shower, you know, maybe wash your kit because that's I only took, you know, well, I had two jerseys, but I only wore one because I washed the same jersey every night mm. and, and, and it dried. Albeit, I think on, I think it was day two, I didn't have a radiator working, mm. so I started off with a wet jersey oh. or a damp, a damp jersey on day three, I believe. Uh, so yeah, so you get into a bit of a routine, and I, I wasn't really focused on the miles or how long I was on the bike. There was, you know, you're doing like 10, 13 hours solid on a bike. Uh, I didn't stop very often. You know, maybe stop at a shop to pick up some, uh, pick up some energy snacks or, or food and stuff, and, and then you just want to get back on the bike and get going because my focus was getting to where I was staying, so I could try and unwind and rest a little bit, you know, and try and as much time off the bike before starting the next day knowing that you've got another monster shift to to do yeah that's it it's the relentlessness of the day after day after day after day and something i mentioned uh-huh. a little bit earlier was like yeah your posts on instagram were, were like uh you could tell 
you were you were finding it tough. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, you know it was it was the emotional it was the emotional side of the experience that I wasn't prepared for, it, and that was the toughest thing. Was was I don't think there was a single day I never cried, mm. whether it was through fear of not completing it because I was so far from home, or a, a random act of kindness. Uh, you know, I, I met Aiden. I, I burst out crying when I met Aiden. You know, I never met the guy before, and he was this forty-year-old bloke crying in front of him. You know, but uh, I just couldn't help it. You know, I was just a, I was so relieved to see somebody that I kind of, although I didn't know him, I'd never met the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I felt like I'd, I did. You know, I, I did know him through Instagram, but it was just that familiar face, the reassurance that you're not alone. And I think that's for Instagram and. and you know, I was raising money for the National Autistic Society, and I could see there was uh, email notifications because people were donating to Just Given for the cause. You know, and things like that were totally uh, motivating me to keep going. And I wasn't alone, although I was cycling by myself uh, on some days. People were always there asking how you're doing. You know, making sure you're okay. And, and so that was really something I hadn't prepared myself for mm-hmm. was the emotional side of the journey. I can deal with a sore backside and my legs weren't too bad. Uh, my shoulders were sore after a few days doing, you know, 100 miles after 100 miles. Mm. But it was, a, it was the psychological games in your own head that you had to... That was, that was the hardest thing for me. Yeah, yeah. I think. <clears throat> and the other thing as well, which you had a bit of a laugh about, but I really felt for you, you, only, you didn't have any shoes when I saw you that... You, one of your shoes had dropped out your bag and then you were like, I'm not carrying one shoe around. So you ended up leaving that. No. So you ended up coming down to dinner in your cycling shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was been, I thought it was a great idea. It was like these slip-on neoprene uh, kind of slip-on shoes for the beach and they're lightweight, you know, they're 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 water they're dry quick, you know, they're not waterproof but they'll dry quick if they get wet. So I had them strapped in the back of my tail fin bag and I don't know how I lost one. You know, but I did. So there's no way of talking about my dinner on one, uh, one shoe. Yeah. So you ended up clip clopping down to dinner. Um, yeah. In the, and I was trying to travel as light as possible. So I didn't yeah. have really, you know, dinner wear as such. And I had a pair of lightweight cycling trousers in my in my GB Scotland kind of rainbow coloured jersey that I had. Mm. Uh, yeah. You look smashy, <laughs> Stu. Absolutely smashy. <laughs> <laughs> It was good. So, yeah, that was sort of um, day four that I saw you. I remember day five, the next day, you had a puncture, and then you said about the act and rand of kindness when a bloke came and, because you were struggling to get the tyre back on, weren't you? And some somebody stopped and came to your rescue. Day five was probably my, yeah, the most emotional. Apart from day one, when I, you know, it was my birthday, and I had a video call from Anne and my daughter, and you know, that was really emotional, knowing how far I was and seeing them and knowing how far I still had to go. So the day five, that was a pretty emotional day in respect of my kind of uh, my faith in humanity being restored. You know, I'd kind of got a puncture. Uh, it was a, a good puncture as well. And I had the Schwabble Marathon Plus tyres, which are they're pretty puncture resistant. Mm-hmm. That the screw that had managed to penetrate the the tire, I don't think anything would have survived that. But these tires were so difficult to try and get back on the rim, I couldn't do it myself. 
and I put it the side of the road with my, my tires off, my bike's upside down, you know, I'm phoning my wife to try and find a bike shop nearby that might be able to come out and help and she just felt helpless for me because there's nothing she could do. She mm -hmm. gave me a few numbers but nobody would answer uh, for whatever reason and then this total stranger pulls up at the side of the road and offered me a lift into town and I explained, and then he got out of the car and I explained what I was doing and uh, he ended up both of us together using both sets of hands to get this tyre back on the rim and, and and which we did managed to pump it back up and I was I was off again and so that was uh, very emotional I think I cried for a few miles after that moment on my own uh, and then that was the same day where I went into a petrol station to get some juice and a snack and ended up telling the lady behind the counter what I was doing and just as I was walking out Sorry. Gets a bit emotional thinking about it. <laughs> she ends up giving me a, she turns me back to the counter and gives me a two pound coin. It was like that was the first time. Yeah, somebody had given me money. The guy stood behind me in the queue, I'd obviously heard what was going on and as I went back outside the petrol station, he kinda of came up and Oh, I just heard what you were doing and gave me a £20 note, you know. And then as I'm cycling away from the petrol station, you hear the woman on the tannoy over the petrol station saying, good luck. Mm, brilliant. You know, that was brilliant. a yeah, very emotional day. Sorry for getting upset there. It was no, just that's a, okay. That's okay. You know, I wasn't, call back. I wasn't aiming to make you cry, Sue, to talk about how much <laughs> you cried during Lee Jog. <laughs> but yeah, no. That, that moment I'll just live with me forever you know there's that's that's what the whole experience was mm -hmm. you know about you know it was about raising money for my wife but yeah on the same the same hand it was yeah, an experience for me to do mm -hmm. something most likely to have on a bucket list you know so it was a very positive experience but yeah the plan in doing it the uh, especially if you're doing it on your on your own just to prepared for emotions mm. and then obviously where you live and where you're from you um up in scotland that yeah as you were getting further and further north um there was more support from people that you you, you knew perhaps a little bit better than people from other places yeah. you know you were meet you were meeting people that you've met before um and i imagine when you went across the border into scotland as well that would have been a quite a, an epic momentous yeah. part of the journey as well probably sound boring here but I cried at that moment okay. <laughs> <laughs> well because I knew I was coming up to I had my you know I had, obviously I had every day all my routes planned for every day that I, I followed on my on my beeline mm. but I would always I would always open my phone as well just to see where I was on the map and I could see I was getting close to the border and and it wasn't because I was taking the roads. It wasn't the, like the main big blue Scotland sign that everyone sees. Welcome to Scotland. Yeah. It was just a, a little brown tourist board kind of sign. Scotland welcomes you. And yeah, that was a to know that I was over halfway. You know, that was day six. So I've gone beyond the halfway point now, and every every mile and every day is getting closer to to finishing. Uh, yeah, that was pretty good. And I think Scotland compared to England is obviously a smaller country, so mm. people are a lot more 
concentrated, if you like, and getting to places. And I was passing through a lot of big places where a lot of Instagrammers that I know and people live. So, yeah, I had great support. Yeah, I think day seven was my biggest. I think I just went to Edinburgh that day. Mm. Yeah, I had good support that day as I kind of travelled towards Perth. So, yeah, it was a. I think anywhere you drive or, or travel in Scotland is not too far, you know, compared to England. Mm. Yeah, and then, like you say, be, and being on home soil as well would have been yeah. just spurred you on that little bit more and felt, like you say, that you were over halfway. You feel like you're, you're really making progress then. Um, whereas those first early days, and I think as well, especially so far down south like when you met Aiden they would have been the hilliest days as well so they're like the toughest yeah. couple of days you're really far from it puts all those doubts in it just makes it feel such an, a massive chat even bigger than you ever could have imagined kind of thing and then you, you're daunted by the rest of it aren't you then um, but then yeah. as you got closer and closer like you're saying in day seven and stuff and then when you're well into Scotland and day eight and it's just that bit easier then almost yeah because bearing in mind I'd never been to Land's End I'd never been to Devon or Cornwall a lot of the places I went through Bristol and you know Nutsford and all these places I'd never been in my life Devon and Cornwall was like a roller coaster it was just constantly up and down and we're talking you know decent mm-hmm. trade as well 15-20% so battling that psychologically how am I going to get through this day and how am I going to deal with the next hill and stuff like that but yeah and, and Scotland's a hilly place but not quite as brutal as Devon and Cornwall <laughs> from my experience of where I've been but yeah the, the further north I got into even Perth you know I'm, I'm familiar with that area I'm, and then the further north I got I went up the A9 you know towards Granton and and, and Aviemore these are all places that I go to regularly you know so far more familiar territory if and I knew if, if something was to happen and I had to scratch I was an hour or two from home as opposed to you know maybe 10 12 hours when I was down south so that that psychologically as well helps mm-hmm. knowing that you're you've got that reassurance and if you need to, to finish for whatever reason then you know you've, you're not far from home yeah yeah and granted where I stayed from uh, the day before I traveled up to my I think that was day eight. That was probably the closest to home I was. I was only like forty minutes, an hour to my house, you know. Uh, so that was the closest, and knowing that I had to go away from further. that to go further, yeah, yeah, it was then tougher again, almost. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, but not as it was from the from the day one. Yeah. So, what would your advice be to anyone thinking of taking on a lead jog? Do it. Just get it done. Uh, like we, I think we spoke about this before we kind of came on air. Here was the, the fact that you know you'll you'll always make more money, but you won't make more time. So if you want to do something while you're fit and young, and yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I'll take that back. Not even fit and young. You know, if you're if you're capable, do do it while you're capable. People do it of all ages. You know, from young to old, and uh, yeah, depends how much of a challenge you want. Yeah, because that's, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, I've seen people do it over a shorter time. I've seen people do it over a longer time. Yeah. You know, take 20 days, 50-ish miles yeah. a day. Um, you know, I, I don't know 
I did it over 10 days, which was a lot to do. Considering day one was my first century ride this year. Yeah. I had great plans of doing all this training and stuff, but it never happened for, for one reason or another with family and work. But yeah, if I was to do it again, I would do it over a longer period and I would do it in company, you know, and take time to stop and enjoy what's around you because I went past some amazing things that I just cycled past. I didn't have an, an opportunity to stop, yeah. but not because I couldn't, but again yeah. i would i would do it i would do it in company i take my stop and take a towel and a pair of swimming trunks and go for mm. a dip in a river or whatever because uh, I, I did meet people along the journey that were doing it as part of a, a paid organized trip and they had sport vehicles and they had no kit on their bike uh you know and they would just cycle to the next meeting point and they'd have their sandwiches and their teas and coffees all waiting for them and so that would be a nice experience if you didn't have that. Yeah, I think that does make a massive difference. Because yeah. even if you're travelling light, you've still got a fair few kilo of equipment, which then, yeah, you dump in the car, and then they're carrying your water, you know, yeah. and then they're stopping at the side of the road for you because they've been to yeah. the shop for you. And then when you get to that car, here's your stuff. Totally. Thank you very much. You know, Absolutely. And it saves you a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of planning because they're doing it for you. Um, you know, so it does make a big, big difference, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, I wanted to say you did it self-supported because it does make such a big, big difference to the challenge. Yeah, yeah. and it was, you know, that was the, that was the whole point of doing it over ten days was a little bit of time constraint because there's only so much time you can take off work, but also for that challenge, and you know, people are give, donating you money for a cause, you want to make it worthwhile, and you want to put the effort in and and give them sacrifice if you like you know you're putting yourself through something mentally and physically challenging uh, and that, that was the whole point because people that aren't as fortunate as us maybe can't do things like that you know aren't physically able or 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 live with something that uh prevents them from doing it you know we're very lucky i think so if you can do it then take this opportunity to get it done and mm. Yeah, well, you did absolutely fantastic, Stu. Well done, well done. Um, you know, it was yeah, it was great watching you do it. Um, I was so proud. I was privileged to meet you on the journey, and then it was great seeing you complete it as well. I felt fantastic for you. That the day that I saw you at that that point was just like, that's brilliant, Alice. Well done, mate. Very well done. Humbled for for all the support I had from everyone, complete strangers. You know, taking time out to send messages or or donate money it was just yeah it was just completely and i'm nothing special i'm just a general i'm just a regular guy that you know has, <laughs> likes instagram but i felt really special like you had so many so many people behind you uh it was really kind of i felt very privileged and humbled to, to be so well thought of and supported it was just a great experience so we're moving on now to the the last few questions that we ask all the guests and are you a calf stop cyclist? Is that even a question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was uh, I went out the other day with a friend uh, up into the hills where I took my drone, and I, I was like, "Where are we stopping for a for a coffee?" Well, we're not because we're out in the sticks. Uh, so yeah, if I can plan it, if I can plan it, if I'm going out on a ride and I can plan it myself, I'll always try and incorporate a, a coffee stop. So what are you having? Oh, anything. 
I'll have a frittata, I'll have uh, coffee, hot or cold, depending on the weather. Uh, I like a fizzy juice, maybe an appetizer, or I'm not even going to try and say that. You know the little can you get with the little foil top, the lemon juice? Oh, yeah, I can't think of the brand. I don't know what that is, but I, I know the one you're on about, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Home. I like a pretzel. I'll eat anything. That's a good mix. It's a good mix. Yeah. One of ev- one of everything. Why not? Absolutely. <laughs> so we did we did have a little brief chat about this before we came on air, which is dream bike money no object. Yeah. Well, I think if money was no object, it wouldn't be about the bike. It'd be like, where could I take the bike? Because the bike I bought, I'm very happy with, and uh, Luigi was my first gravel bike. Um, my, my boardman from Halfords that cost £600 is my first road bike. So I've never really been exposed to high-class, top-end bikes. You know, that's a fellow S2, it's got DI2 and it's fancier than... But luckily the chap that sold it was moving to Oman and wanted a quick sale, so I got it far cheaper than uh, it should have been. So I was very lucky to get that bike. But I've never been introduced to high-end bikes or, you know, even rode one myself to to have that and I'm not very tech minded so uh, I couldn't even tell you what ratio gears I've got on my bikes because I'm not that I'm just not that way uh, built if you like so no I'm quite happy with the bikes I've got so if I had endless money I'd rather be thinking about the destination and, and where I'm going and what I'm riding okay good answer good answer thank you um, so Speaking about the destination, if we could pop you anywhere in the world to go cycling right now, where would you go? Iceland. Lovely. And I know that I'm signing up for the the rift next year, but I've never had the opportunity to experience Iceland properly, and and with the, and having been there so many times and seen the landscape and seen the roads that are, can be cycled, I'd love to go to Iceland and go off roads and even do the ring roads you can cycle around the whole island the things over it just over 800 miles and you know so that would be an amazing experience so are you offering to take me no unfortunately oh. not this time <laughs> maybe if the podcast starts doing really well i can take everyone okay. to their destination that they've, that, that they've said <laughs> uh, yeah your first guy that, that's the deal then that's the deal so lovely Stu I think we've come to the end of our little chat it's been a lot of fun having you on thank you very much for having me it's been a good experience it's the first podcast I've been involved with so thanks for inviting me on yeah no problems no problems um, we always said I'd always thought I'd have you on um, and especially once you had done your lead jog as well I thought oh that's a great thing for you to talk about as well we're doing so well and that was such a big event and um such a major part of your cycling journey and it was uh, yeah. yeah a good thing to to come on and have a little chat about that and a few more tears for the for the road just as well <laughs> an inkling i might but i feel fine i'm not gonna cry <laughs> that, that that day five i'll never forget that was a pretty emotional day i mean it all was but just that particular memories so I'll, I'll always probably bring tears to my eyes depending on how i'm feeling <laughs> yes that's it. Brilliant. Well done, Thanks Stu. For- Thanks for coming on, buddy. Cheers. Thank you.
Take care. So that was great talking to Stu there. As we talked about, he is big on Instagram. So if you don't follow him, GB Scotland. Search for GB Scotland on Instagram. Give him a follow because he's well worth it. He's a great guy. It's a brilliant account. And yeah, we had a few technical issues along the way, but uh, that we can have a little bit of a laugh about now. But uh, yeah, it was a bit stressful at the time, but uh, we got through it in the end. We got through it in the end, as we did miss out a fair chunk of a few of the questions, um, unfortunately, because it was recording me, and for some reason it wasn't recording Stu. I don't know why that happened, but uh, yeah, so we did miss a little bit of the conversation out. But we got the majority of it and we got the main bit about his lead jog. Um, we talked a little bit about, the bit that we missed off I should say, is was a little bit about his next challenge coming up, which he's doing a big ride in Iceland next year. Also his target mileage that he's kind of, he's on for about sort of 4,000 miles this year, but he'd like to try and hit 5,000 in total. We talked a little bit about his drones that he's got on Instagram. So as as we talked about his Instagram, GB Scotland. So if you head over to that, have a look at the drone footage he's recently been uploading because it is fantastic. And also, um, I asked him what the riding like is like up in Scotland and talking about doing the NC500, which he said he'd like to do, um, which is one of the ones on my bucket list as well. So uh, yeah, maybe we could do it together, Stu. You never know. One day. So, lovely. Once again, we thank Stu for his time. We thank you for listening. I've been Steve, the Velo 21 guy. We'll catch you soon.